0: Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Um, our um, our attention span is a a moment of time, an amount of time, like concentrated time on a task, and uh, it's sort of a concentrated time that that happens without becoming distracted. In the year two thousand, uh, this. Uh, the National Centre for Biotechnology Information, which I'm sure you're well familiar with, (laughs) in the US. They come up with a statistic that the average attention span in the year 2000 was 12 seconds. Now, I imagine you can have some, obviously, concentrated time, you get distracted, you come back and you have another attention span. So, I'm hoping for that this morning. But in the average attention span in 2015 is 8.25 seconds. That's a worry because the average attention span of a goldfish hasn't changed. It's still nine (laughs) seconds. So, it's no longer an insult to actually say you've got the attention span of a goldfish, Dave. It's more of a goal now. It's not so much a... (laughs) So today I'll try to throw out maybe a few questions, get a bit of uh, a voice happening from you guys and see if I can catch you in that 8.25 seconds. On the first week of this four week series on discipleship, we're looking at living the life. We looked at the identity of a disciple, our identity in Christ, what it means to belong to Christ, who we are in Christ what it means for now here on earth and what it means for us for eternity. And then we looked at the cost of discipleship, that lifelong challenge, that Jesus just isn't after our money or our time on a Sunday but he's after everything that we have, that we would surrender all to him. And last week we spoke about the... uh, we looked at the char- what characterises a disciple. <laughs> that we are to be people who follow Jesus, learn from him, imitate him. That people would see our lives and know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And while we will overlap a little bit today into that as well, This morning we're finishing off this series looking at the mission of a disciple. So, if my identity is in Christ and I am prepared because of what Jesus has done to sacrifice my life and to live for Christ and to follow him, then what does my life look like? What is my mission? What are people going to see? What is the work that goes hand in hand with that attitude? There's a number of multinational, international, famous mission statements of big companies. Um, I'm going to see if you can guess, I've picked out four, quite well known. These people, uh, uh, they've put their mission statement down as organising the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Any ideas? Google, Google that's an easy, easy one. Google, we can. Okay. To be our customers, this is a long one, I've sort of cut it down a bit. To be our customers favourite place and way to eat focusing on an exceptional customer experience. People, products, place, price and promotion. Makers, yeah, yeah, we're on the target. <laughs> what about this one? To help people and businesses throughout the world realise their full potential. It's pretty uh, broad, that one, pretty general. Any ideas? <laughs> what was that one? No, no. It's IT. No, not IBM. Not Apple. I think you said them all apart from this one. Microsoft, Microsoft, yeah. And this one's pretty familiar I think. (laughs) To refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. I don't really align this with this product but this is sort of their mission statement. It's a beverage. It's a Coca-Cola. Yeah, On the money can. Yeah, it doesn't really, you don't think of those things when you think Coca-Cola, do you? <laughs> so, what is the mission God has for us to fulfil while we are here on earth? And we find that in these few verses at the end of Matthew uh, Matthew's book in Matthew twenty-eight. I hope that this comes up. Um, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. Jesus came and told his disciples, "I have been I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. (coughs) Ultimately we are here to worship God. We exist to worship God. Our whole being is to worship and with that attitude God promises to transform us. God promises to change us that we would become Christ-like. And so this morning we're looking at what does that life look like? If What is that life achieving? A person who has an attitude, if we have an attitude of dependence upon God, of worshipping Him, of surrendering our lives to Him, then what's it going to look like? What's our life going to look like? What's our life going to look like tomorrow morning when we wake up and go to school and go to uni and go to work? What's our life going to, should look like when we're in the backyard having a conversation with our neighbour at playgroup, at kids club? Here we are on planet earth what's the average, 80 years in Australia? We're all at different stages. Some of us only have a few, some of us have 79. Whatever it is, it's not much, is it? And here we are and I trust and hope that you have placed your faith in Jesus and believed in Him as Saviour and Lord. that the Spirit of God has come into your life and has taken control and you live with the hope and certainty of eternity with Him and you are living to worship Him. You are living in dependence upon Him. I hope that is true of us this morning. Then I ask, what are we doing tomorrow morning when we wake up? Is it in line with what? Jesus commands here. You see, this isn't just a command for for elders and deacons. It's not a command Jesus gave just for people that teach and preach the Word of God. If you sit here claiming Jesus as Saviour and Lord, then the command that Jesus gave here is for you. It's not a call on your life for when you feel like you're up to it. It's not a call on your life that when you're old enough you'll start this or when you finish school or when I get my degree. But from the moment the Holy Spirit enters your life is the moment we're called to this command. Acts eight. Jesus said to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere about me. So I'm trying to catch you now in that 8.25 seconds of concentration. Up on the screen is this verse, these verses and look I'm no English expert but I'm looking for four verbs that we want to look at this morning. Now, verbs, as I found out during this week on Google, (laughs) are action words, words of action. If anyone can see a verb, a word of action, something that means you're doing something, go. Go's the first one, make, make disciples. That's the second one. We've got two more. Just came, look, it might be a verb, it's not the one I had. Teach. Teaching, teach. And there's one just before teaching. <coughs> Baptised, baby. Beautiful. We've got smart people here. There they are. In the Greek text, uh, there is a, what we call an imperative verb. So, out of those four there's an imperative verb and it's make disciples and we'll look at that word in a, in a second but it's make disciples and what that means is that verb out of those four is like the bossy verb. It's the, it's the eldest child sort of bossy <laughs> verb. It, 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 the sentence hangs on that. Um, without that make disciples, that sentence doesn't make sense at all And the other three are are participles. Okay, so they actually characterise the imperative verb. So, that's the most important verb is make disciples and these other three sort of make sense of that verb and characterise it and, uh, and bring definition to it. So, going, baptising and teaching characterise the, the, the sort of important verb there of making disciples and that's, <laughs> in, and we're gonna, that's important that we remember, we'll come back to that. Uh, the Greek word mathetuo, which is the imperative verb about making disciples, carries the idea of a believer and a learner and you could read it in English as a uh, making believers and learners. Uh, I, as you well, probably well know, um, I love Collingwood, I follow Collingwood. Um, hasn't been a great weekend, has it? Uh, I have for all my life and um, it has its good moments and its bad ones uh, at the beginning of most seasons, I tend to think that we're a chance to win the premiership. It's only happened twice in my life. I don't remember the 1990 that well either. You know, I've forked out money, I've been a member, I've queued for hours over the years, I've staunchly defended my team in arguments at school and work I used to learn all the numbers and the names of the players growing up and I'd know who they all were. It's getting a bit harder now as I get older. still know most of them. But. Uh, I've been a member. I've hugged and high-fived absolute strangers <laughs> in moments of madness. <laughs> and Rachel will say, unfortunately, but... I am a genuine, real follower of Collingwood and you can see it in the way I talk about them and support them. You now, Rachel follows GWS, joints, did you know that? You learned something new. She follows GWS, they're a new team. They're the newest team actually in AFL. Don't ask her who the coach is though and um, who the players are. But she tips them every week. She's the only person in our competition, that 25 of us, the only person who tipped GWS yesterday. Did quite well. You know, it's obvious that Rach isn't a real follower of GWS. (laughs) But it doesn't really matter, it's football. This is what matters. This is What we're looking at this morning, this is what matters. Jesus' command is what matters and if we're genuine followers, believers and learners, where it is evident by our lives that we belong to Christ, that people see change in our lives that people see priorities that differ from the priorities of the world and that they see it and that they desire it. Matthew 5.16 and 1 Peter 2.12 There are verses that, that say similar things along the lines that they're telling us that we should as God's followers, as followers of Christ that we are to live good lives. We are to let our light shine before others, that they will see our good deeds. They will see our good deeds, the way that we love each other, the way that we treat each other, the way that we show hunger and thirst for justice, the way that we treat the poor. Do we live in purity? and work for peace. Words of Jesus. That they will see our good deeds and glorify God. Our witness and testimony of what God has done and is doing in us, it must be on display for all to see, all the time. That people will see what God has done in your life and is doing in your life and see what God is capable of doing for them no matter the circumstances, no matter where they've been and what they've done. Making disciples is being involved in bringing people into a relationship, an eternal relationship with God and also being involved in them learning and being obedient to God's Word. Because as we've touched on and as we're looking at now, a genuine disciple listens and understands, uh, understands not just by a fantastic IQ but understands because the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and reveals truth to us that we by ourselves could never understand. We listen, understand and obey and be obedient to God and his word and his command. That's a genuine disciple and that should be evident not because that's what saves us, not that that is what makes us right before God. That doesn't grant you eternal life because we would never be able to earn it. But those things should be evident in our lives as followers of Christ, as a consequence or as a result of a decision to believe by faith in what Jesus has done for us, in dying for us. Jesus said in John 8, 31, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. A genuine follower, a genuine follower, one who listens, understands and is obedient. So, now I want to touch on these three, we taught them participles if you remember. So, they characterize. What we've just looked at, making disciples, believers and learners and they really characterise, uh, characterise that imperative verb. And the first one is go and as we said, it's not the most important word but it's, it plays its role, has a role to play. You'd be missing the point if you thought this verse was all about packing up your bags at a certain age because you need to leave the place you are in order to go and tell people about Jesus. Although God may call you to do that. You'd be missing the point. The word actually is more of an assumption. It is more of an assumption that you are going. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he was not asking them to go, assuming that they are going or as you go, it may read. As you go, make disciples. And of course, once someone makes a decision by faith to follow Christ, Jesus commands baptism, an outward expression of an inward decision Telling others in no uncertain terms, I've decided to follow Jesus. It's a new life. I've decided to live. And in following this command, obedience, obedience is evident, isn't it? And we also have this command to teach not just to blurt out information in order to look like we're doing the right thing but to teach others in order that they will be obedient to the truth and with obedience comes change and growth and maturity. One of my favourite times of the day is at about three thirty on a Monday to Friday. Um, I get to Mackenzie School and wait down at the bottom of the ramp outside her the uh, classroom, and wait for that bell to go. Um, and she, you just start to see the little heads sort of pop up over the door and they're lined up waiting to get out and that door opens and they start to file out and uh, I can always just see her eyes like dart around for a second and then they just lock, you know, and they lock on and the smile comes on. Oh, everything is forgotten about. All the stuff at work and life and have that moment with her and I sense that within her she has this little sense of relief that I'm there and everything sort of seems okay, you know. Um, Quite often when um, Mackenzie and Ava are like upset, especially at night time, uh, in the darkness or whatever it may be, uh, you know, they'll call out or they'll come into our room and they'll call out and, Sometimes Rachel and myself, uh, you know, get into bed with them and and just give them the arms around them. And uh, I realised the other night I I did that with Mackenzie. She fell asleep just within a few minutes, and I just thought it must give her such comfort to have presence of a mum or dad just by her and security and, and peace for her. And Jesus promises to always be with us, wherever we are, whatever circumstances we're dealing with. That with this command <coughs> to make disciples, Jesus promises that we won't be doing it alone. In fact, we can't do it alone. As we surrender ourselves to Him and be obedient to the mission, making disciples, believers who are listeners and learners of God's Word, we don't do it alone. We can't do it alone. He's with us, giving us peace, our comforter, our provider. And we're to trust in that, trust in Him. And importantly, pray. Pray to Him. And just as we finish, I want to touch on these three points about prayer. Pray for your opportunities. Uh, Just the other day, actually I was thinking about it, I think it was Tuesday night and I was thinking about this point, about prayer and that role that it has to play in our mission. I got up and went to work that next on Wednesday and, and that was on my mind as I prayed in the car and half an hour later the baker came in, as he always does with our order, and I just happened to run across him this time and just a quick hello and hey, how you been? How's the last few days been, your weekend? And it just happened to be that this morning he was struggling because on the Saturday this, this guy who's in his 50s, he's been involved as a player and a coach in the Diamond Valley for a long time. Uh, was at the footy club rooms and a good friend of his and his wife walked into the room and she, at 41 or 42, she collapsed and died just last Saturday. And I didn't think of it at the time, but we had a conversation for uh, 10 minutes or so. Started to talk about afterlife. Started to talk about putting things into perspective. That's what death does for us. And yeah, I didn't think about it at the time but it hit me between the eyes later. Praying for our opportunities doesn't mean that, well it might mean we get more opportunities but the opportunity is already there and it just made me more mindful of the words that would come out of my mouth because I focused my mind on my opportunities and I was much more careful about the words that I was choosing to say and the times to listen and my interactions with people. So, I think it's important to pray for your opportunities. And secondly, pray for courage. Um, I put this in because I think often the hardest people to share God with are the people that we love the most and sometimes it's at the dinner table or at a family gathering those people um, the close friends perhaps at school at uni and work the people that we care about the most and love the most I'm maybe I'm alone but I find that sometimes that they're the hardest people to actually Sit down with and openly share God's word with sometimes. It can be sometimes easier with a stranger who we run into or around the corner sharing tracks with, you know, and let's shit talk about God. But what about the closest people that are um, around us? Pray for courage to be bold, trusting the people that are closest to us. Uh, will have hearts that are soft and ready to hear the message. And thirdly, pray for people. Pray for people. And I put in your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Uh, pray for those people you normally avoid because you don't really want to talk to them. Pray for those people. Those people that don't know Jesus. Pray for the ones that are constantly picking on you. Pray for the bullies. Pray for those who don't know Jesus as their saviour. Uh, those people who you have contact with regularly, have good relationships with. Someone who today or maybe tomorrow or into this next week, you know that you will talk to them because you do every day or every week. Pray for those people. I want, want, there's an envelope and a bit of paper and a pencil um, in the back of every chair. Hopefully there's enough for everyone. I would like you to write a person's name down who you can pray for. It might be one, it might be two, um, whatever it is. If you could write their name down and put it in that envelope um, and I would like you not to just go from here and throw it away or leave it somewhere in the car. Or I would like if you could take that envelope and throughout this week especially leave it in a place where you will see it. Um, Leave it in a place where it will remind you of that person or those people, where you will remember to pray for them and it might remind you every day, hopefully. So, wherever that place may be for you, I I trust you will take it and, and leave it there and it will remind you to pray for them. In these next few minutes, would you perhaps start off that Time of prayer for that person. Maybe you need a moment to think of someone and then pray for them. And when this time is finished, I'll come and close in prayer. Thanks, Andrew. Lord and God, I pray as we leave this place, we we go with this mission in heart to make disciples, people that are believers and learners of your word and obedient to it. Pray for courage as we do that and that we're mindful of our opportunities, not just in the things that we say to people but in the things that we do, that people are watching. We thank you for your word and it's the truth and the life.